Ladies and gentlemen, I am wearing the starter jacket of my father, one of his most prized possessions. He loved this thing. He got it on Christmas morning, 1985. It was his pride and joy. He loved this jacket. I only wear it on special occasions, and I think tonight will will qualify as a special occasion because joining us on the show tonight is the greatest quarterback in Chicago Bears history. So, Sammy, let's start the show. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back, Justin Fields making magic happen. There goes Fields, touchdown! The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night, and you know what that means. Tonight is a very special occasion because in 1982, the Chicago Bears used the fifth overall selection to draft this quarterback from BYU, and he would go on to be one of the faces of the greatest team in NFL history. The Sick Podcast is pleased to welcome Mr. Jim McMahon. Hey, guys. How you doing? Oh my gosh! I am wonderful. I uh, I could not be more pleased to have you here. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Just trying to finish up a little dinner, but uh, <laughs> down in my buddy's basement, as you can see. But you're looking good. Well, listen, that looks good. The burger looks good. You do what you got to do. I don't care what you do. You can sit there have a meal. I'm happy to share this time with you. And I got to be honest. I, obviously, you know you you mean a lot to a lot of people over the last couple of months, week, or for longer. Uh, you've really made an effort on Twitter to reach out to people. You're following a bunch of fans. Uh, you're interacting. You're posting photos. You're telling stories. What inspired you to get so involved with the fans? Because it's been awesome. Well, uh, thanks to my guys that actually do that for me. I guess it's going well because I, I myself do not do it. I um, Don't pull back the curtain too much. It's still no, interacting with you. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't, I don't see why people do this all day long but uh yeah i actually pay people to do this for me so i'm glad that he's doing a good job i hear some good things about it i still have never seen the the site or facebook or whatever you call the instagram oh. you gotta Where, go uh, i don't you do gotta, any of <laughs> but you gotta go check it out because it's cool for the fans to see you they're dropping photos they're dropping highlights it, it, it's a wonderful time and it is cool you know because still to this day the the 85 Bears still resonates with Chicago. What obviously it was the last team to win a Super Bowl. What makes that team so special? I think uh, the the amount of fun that we all had, you know, not only playing but uh fun around the city. Uh you know, all the guys had either a radio show or a TV show, so they were very, you know, much out in the public and uh, they saw us without our helmets on for maybe the first time in in NFL history. So uh, they got to see us up close, and, and uh, you know, and plus we we're pretty damn good. They're pretty good team, yeah. I would say the best of all time. I might be a little bit biased, but that's okay. I would also say too, you know, it feels like the NFL, you know, was kind of in a weird spot in the '80s. I don't think you know today when you when you hear about the NFL, it's obviously the most popular sport in the world. It didn't feel that way in the '80s, and I think in some respect. The 85 Bears kind of helped popularize the NFL, much in the same way that Jordan and Bird and Magic helped do it for the NBA. 
uh, also during that same time period? There's no doubt about it. You know, the, the NFL was struggling, like you say, in the early 80s. And, and uh, people around the country started following the Bears because they say, look at all these crazy guys having a good time and winning ball games." And I actually think we helped save the, save the league there for, you know, because we were good for, you know, from 84 to 88, we were pretty damn good. No, absolutely. And it's still, and again, that's, nobody talks about the 80s, you know, the 86 Giants or anything like that. It's always about the Bears and it's always about, you know, they bring up the Super Bowl shuffle. Now, what happened? How did how did the Super Bowl shuffle come about? Because it it seems you know you guys you guys filmed that during the season. There was there was a lot of confidence that went into making this video. What inspired you to go out and do this? Well, I wasn't inspired at all to do it. But, uh, <laughs> Willie Willie Gall was in the he had a friend in the music business and he had this idea that uh, you know we'll we'll do this video. It was actually supposed to be a record. That's a, that's how the deal came mm-hmm. to us. He said, hey, guys, we're going to make a record. The proceeds are going to feed the, the homeless on Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we thought, OK, that's good for Chicago. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's the only thing we thought about. And then uh, they ended up taping that that video the day after we lost to Miami on Monday night <clears throat> down in Miami. So, you know, we got yeah. home probably three or four in the morning. Uh, guys had to be at the studio at eight or nine in the morning. Uh, Walter Payton and I both told him we weren't gonna gonna show up because that wasn't part of the deal the deal was we're gonna make a record so anyway they they filmed the they filmed that the day after we lose to miami we still had three or four games left to go in the season yeah we're we're singing about the super bowl shuffle so it was kind of funny uh walter and i ended up having to do our our parts a week or two after that uh in the racquetball court at hallis hall that's where we taped our no way our little uh spiel there (laughs) So it was not a, uh, it wasn't a fun experience and, uh, I'm, I'm, but it, it doesn't go away. People still talk about it everywhere I go. They, you know, they bring it up and I guess it was kind of fun at the time. I mean, it, it looked like it was fun. I mean, looked like being the, the quarterback of the Chicago bears was a fun time. I mean, what was that like? I mean, were you able to, I always see photos of you from the eighties, you know, you're on the Letterman show, you're on Carson hanging out with celebrities. What was that like? Mm, one second. <laughs> no problem. Still into this burger. No, listen, you, you it do. It was you. a lot of fun. Some of it, some of it was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, cars, Johnny Carson was a blast, you know, Leno Letterman, uh, meeting some of the celebrities I got to meet and hang out with being at the playboy mansion with Hugh Hefner and, uh, you know, Bruce Willis, Sean Connery. I mean, the who's who. Oh, wow. uh, I was up there watching a fight one night. I can't remember who was fighting. I think it was Sugar Ray or or Tommy Hearns and and uh, Hagler, something like Hagler, that. It was right. a, big, a big fight. And uh, yeah, I was. We, I got to do a lot of cool stuff because of, of football. So yeah, it's well, been a, it's been a good ride. What was it like hanging out with Bruce Willis? I mean that. That might have been the biggest box office star of the 80s. He was doing Die Hard and stuff like that. How did you two come together? Well, I, I actually met Bruce when he was doing Moonlighting. He oh, wow. Filming, he was filming Moonlighting at, to, to film something. And uh, it might have been Carson or Lena, one of those two. And uh, he had heard I, I was in town and he, he got a hold of my agent and 
and said, hey, you know, would you like to get to, when are you guys leaving? And we were happened to be leaving right after the shoot. Or we had a couple hours before we were going to leave. So he uh, he suggested a restaurant. And he said he probably couldn't make it because they were shooting that night. And uh, so we ended up at the restaurant. And then uh, Bruce showed up about 45 minutes later. He goes, yeah, the hell it. I couldn't shoot anymore. I just wanted to come bullshit. So <laughs> we just sat and had a, had a great time. And then, you know, from then on, when I would go to L.A., I'd call him up and and uh, end up doing doing something. So it was a, it was a lot of fun back back in the day. No, it sounds like it. You did a lot of commercials. You did a lot of those those posters. You know, I think there was the Chicago Vice poster that you did with Walter Payton, and we have a photo of you and Walter Payton uh, from back in the day as well. What was your relationship like with him? Because this, I mean, as somebody you know who grew up in a family that loved the Chicago Bears. You know, my my father, uh, you were his two favorite players, and uh, I remember this photo distinctly. We had it displayed in the house. What was your relationship like with Walter? Uh, I think it was a pretty good one. I think he understood that I was trying to help him out as much as possible. You know, I, he had a – I don't know how he survived the five or six years before I got here because, yeah, you know, the, the offensive line wasn't really that good, and, and uh, he would just amaze me. He'd make a 30-yard run that only gained one or two yards. I mean, he he bounced off <laughs> the left sideline back to the right, and I was trying to throw a block and get out of the way at the same time. I never knew where it was. He just did not want to be tackled. But uh, yeah, I used to tell Coach Dick, "Hey, let's throw him the ball more. Why do we have to run it all the time? You know? Yeah, get him away from all the mess." But you know, we were just uh, hard nosed. You know, we're going to run the football down your throat kind of team, and uh, it was actually boring as hell for me, but. To be able to sit and watch him do his thing, it was kind of special. Yeah, you know what? It feels like you're ahead of your time because Walter was actually, as you said, a great receiver out of the backfield as well. I know you don't follow the game now too closely, but, I mean, are you a little remiss that you're not playing now? I I feel like because I, I feel like people overlook how good you were offensively because the defense gets a lot of the credit as well. Oh, yeah. they're You know, that's what Chicago's – they're known for their defense and who their running back is. But, uh, yeah, we had a pretty damn good offense as well. You know, we our offensive line was solid, really good, I think. Jimbo Covert finally got in the Hall of Fame this past year. Mm-hmm. I believe Keith Van Horn and Jay Hilgenberg deserve to be in there as well. And maybe even Mark Bortz, our left guard. I mean, those guys did something that's never been done in the NFL, which is lead the league in rushing four straight years. And that's a credit to them because everybody knew we were going to run the football. And to be able to do that, that, that says something about those guys up front. So, but yeah, we, in 85, I think we, uh, we scored the second most points in the NFL that year. Uh, we held the ball for almost 40 minutes a game. So yeah, we, we did our parts as well. You know, defensively we were strong. There's no doubt about that, but uh, you know, they only had to play 22 minutes. <laughs> yeah. You were able to keep them off the field as you were grinding down the clock and everything like that. And that, and that's true because you were the uh, number one offense in 1985. It did something that doesn't get looked at. I mean, you don't score 46 points in a Super Bowl uh, without, you know, being a little proficient offensively. Well, the defense scored nine of them, so. That's still. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. We, we had a lot of good talent on the offense. You know, we I think that's why the uh, New England – didn't fare as well as they thought because, you know, their, their whole focus was we stop Walter Payton, we win. 
<laughs> and they did a good job of that. I mean, they did uh, – Walter carried it, I think, of 27, 25, something like that times that game. But their whole focus was we stopped Walter, we're going to win the game. And that's why everybody else had big days because his, his – the focus on him was just unbelievable. I tell yeah, people I, all the time, look at that. I think it was the first play of the second half. We're backed up on our four-yard line. We run a play-action pass, and it wasn't even a good fake to Walter. And there's, there's six guys chasing him. And I uh, left Willie one-on-one down the middle. And had I thrown it another yard, we could have scored there too. But, yeah, we had our we had our moments on offense. Yeah, it was just a, a, an amazing collection of talent, the, the likes that you just don't see anymore. But, again, like, do you – do you feel like, or do you ever wish that you could have played in a in a pass happy version that we see in the NFL right now, especially one where you're not allowed to touch the quarterback much? It feels like you could have been out there setting some records yourself. I would have loved to play in today's game as far as you know throwing the ball. That's what that's what we did in college. That's what I got to do in college, and uh, I was much more comfortable doing that than you know handing it off all the time. That sucked, but yeah, it's uh, today's game. You got to be able to throw the football and understand defense and, and um, you know, how to get the ball out of your hands it, it, to the person as quick as you can, the right person. So, and that was always my strong suit. I, could, I understood defenses and, and would just love to sit back there in the shotgun and just pick people apart. That'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. Now, I remember it. I remember a game that you played at Anaheim Stadium against Long Beach State. I think George, How- George Allen was the coach of Long Beach State. And uh, you did pretty well that day, but um, but I'm remiss right there. I uh, I heard also that you were there was an event recently with Coach Mike Dicka. Were you able to get together with him and and see him and see how he was doing? We had the uh, the Gridiron Greats Gala last Friday night. Coach Dick was there. Him and Diana. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. It was a great night. Good to see a lot of. Some old uh, friends of mine, uh, Ron Rivera, got an award. Good to see Ronnie. John Riggins and his, his wife were there, Marv Levy. So those guys I haven't seen in quite a while. So it was a lot of fun. Coach Dick, uh, pretty much the same old Coach Dick. <laughs> he got on the mic for a few minutes, pretty funny. And uh, Henri as hell as ever, but, you know, that's Mike. Yeah, and there was obviously, you know, back in the day, there were some, you know, well-known or well-publicized, uh, you know, dust-ups on the sidelines, some clashes between you and the coach. How's the relationship now? Have you, have you guys, you're, you're good now? There's no, no problems? No, you're, 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 are you still getting under his skin? Uh, well, no, I don't. He lives in Florida and, and Chicago, and I live in Arizona, so I don't get to see him a hell of a lot. Uh, before the other night, it was a, probably a year ago, mm-hmm. I saw him at a function for Steve McMichael, who's not doing well at all with ALS. Yeah, it's tough to see Steve struggling like that. But, uh, yeah, Coach is uh, (laughs) – I tried to get under his skin, but, (laughs) you know, since I'm not – since he's not my boss anymore, we get along pretty well. I would have loved to play with him. He was a great player, uh, and I think he would have understood me a hell of a lot more had he been in my huddle. Yeah, that's the one thing. What was that like? Because I know the first time you show up at Hallis Hall, you know, you leave BYU – um, you show up at Hallis Hall with a beer, didn't quite go as well as as, as you thought, or, or or what was that like? Well, people try to make a big stink about that, but you know, I was 
I was a fifth year senior. It wasn't like I was 17, 18 years old. Right. For one. <laughs> I'd just taken a three hour flight. I took an hour limo ride and there's beer in the limo. So there wasn't much else to drink. Might've been a water, <laughs> but you got a beer there. I'll take a beer any day over the water. Yeah. So I finished off a couple. And then as I was getting out of it, I was, I was not thinking about press at all. And I got out of the limo and there was a couple left on the string. So I, <laughs> I took those with me. And then all of a sudden the press was right there. And I'm like, oh, this is what I'm going to have to deal with. But uh, Coach Dickahack happened to be walking in the building at that same moment and looked at me and said, so you're you're my first round pick, huh? I said, yeah, I guess so. And that was, that was my first meeting with him. So I guess he understood that I like my beer too. Well, listen, you don't want to be wasteful. It would have been rude to leave it in there. Like, you, you don't want that thrown away. That makes a lot of sense. Like, you're, It's the polite thing to do. Otherwise, you know, who, who knows what would have happened. So I, I, I would have done the same thing. I mean, it, it, it would have been rude uh, not to have taken it. You know, one of the things that uh, was really fascinating about your career, too, is that, uh, you know, you played, you know, after Chicago, like you are, you're the greatest quarterback in Bears history. People still talk about it. People you know, my age talk about it. My dad talks about it, like all that kind of stuff. My dad talked about it, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you played for a number of teams, including the Green Bay Packers. You won a Super Bowl with them. But when you were invited to the White House, you wore a Bears jersey, which I I remember this to this day. I, re I remember the look on my dad's face. He could not have been more proud that you were wearing that Bears jersey with all those Packers. How were you able to pull that off? Well, I, I had explained I had explained to my teammates there in Green Bay what had happened to us in Chicago, that we didn't get to go to the White House mm -hmm. because of the, uh, the space shuttle had blown up two days after we won and all the focus was there, which is rightfully so. Of course, uh, no, no problem with that. But I think they could have snuck yeah. us in somewhere between then and the time we actually did go. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I explained to my uh, teammates, I said, look, we didn't get to go. I'm going to wear my jersey to represent my teammates, myself and my team. And I actually called a couple of my old linemen and said, hey, you send me your jersey. I'll, I'll hold that up during the team picture, you know, oh my gosh. Rose Garden or wherever the hell we're going to be at. Uh, they never did, but I ended up wearing mine. And uh, they really didn't have any big problem with it. Uh, coach Holmgren, I explained to him the same thing. And uh, the only coach that really got a little upset was uh, Fritz Shermer. He oh, was geez. our defensive coordinator. And uh, the reason I think he was pissed is because it brought back some mad, bad memories. Cause <laughs> he, he was a defensive coordinator coordinator with the Rams when we beat the Rams to go to the Super Bowl with Chicago. Oh. I think that's the only reason he was upset, but yeah, nobody else, you know, maybe the, some of the fans were upset, but they probably didn't realize what I was doing and, uh, I didn't, it didn't bother to, I didn't bother to explain myself to all them. Yeah. We don't need to explain anything to Packer fans. Uh, they've had a, a, a nice, uh, they've had a nice run, uh, over the last couple of years against us. And, you know, that's fine. Hopefully it'll be changing here in the near future. What do you think about, you know, this season? I don't know if you caught this, but Aaron Rodgers scored a touchdown, uh, said some, had some words for the fans. Do you like, you obviously were a competitor. You weren't afraid to share your feelings. Do you respect that? Or do you see a Packer doing that in Chicago? And does that make you a little upset? Well, he, he's got a point, you know, he's, he has owned the bears, hasn't he? I don't know if he's lost. Yeah, I got it. 
when I was we, here, we, when yeah. I was here, I think I only lost once to the Packers. So I, I own the Packers. And then I beat them when I was in Philly. I beat them, I think, somewhere else when I was. So, uh, you know, that's just, guys, that's what's, what, what happens when on the field of battles. Somebody probably said something to him and pissed him off, and he, he responded. I don't. It doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Um, the way you get that, take those words out of his mouth, is you beat him next time. And when, when is when, when's the last time they beat him? No, it's been a long time. You got to go back to 2018, the last time the Bears won the division, did beat the Packers in Soldier Field to solidify uh, the championship. But outside of that, it has not been a it has not been great for the Bears. So you're absolutely yeah, you right. Be able, if you're going to play in Chicago, whatever you know, whatever advice I can give this young kid, you got to be able to beat the Packers. That's true. And I think the fans want that too. I think we're fed up. We want to go back to that time. I mean, it, it's such a it's such a laugher. Like I remember my dad would always talk about the fact that he never mentioned the Packers. Like the Packers were not, like you said, like you own the Packers. They were nothing to them. It was Washington and San Francisco were the teams that he did not like. Uh, who were some of your biggest rivals? What teams did you like playing in the eighties? Uh, <clears throat> well, I liked playing Tampa, especially in Tampa because it was always a, a hot day and they were always pretty bad. So it was uh, <laughs> usually a pretty easy afternoon, but, uh, yeah, San Francisco, they were always, they were always tough with us. You know, they, they went to two of the Super Bowls. We, we could have, should have gone to in 84 and 88. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington was another team that beat us twice in a row in the playoffs here at home or in Chicago at home. Um, yeah, we could, we could always seem to beat the Giants for some reason, but we, you know, and they yeah. could always beat the Redskins, but we couldn't beat the Redskins for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, was yeah that's right. It was, it was those four teams, it seemed like, in, in the 80s there, that one of those four were going to win the – or at least go to the Super Bowl. No, it always seemed that way. I know. The 86 Giants did not beat the Bears. I was explaining that to one of the co-hosts on Good Morning Football today. Like, no, 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 <laughs> the Giants – no, 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 Peter. The Giants did not beat the Bears to go to the Super Bowl that season. That is a hollow victory as far as I'm concerned. But, again, it was Washington. Uh that happened. If you if you don't mind, uh, we got a couple of fans here who are joining in. They want to. We're going to read some of their questions. If Sammy, if you want to bring up the first one, as uh, as Jim is uh, finishing his burger, uh, if Jim was playing today, uh, what what would you write on your headband? Hmm. I don't know if you can write anything on it anymore. I think those <laughs> rules change. Those rules change after I gave Pete Roselle. Uh, <laughs> you but, did, uh, well, yeah. I did. Whatever, whatever would be on there would probably I'd be getting paid for it. So <laughs> it would be your Twitter handle, all that kind of stuff. What was that relationship like with Pete Roselle? Did you eventually, uh, you know, be good? Were you guys good after a while? Was it still adversarial? How was that? No, it was it was fine. In fact, the week after I roared his name, you know, they find me the first week and they had no they had no business finding me. Yeah, I found that out later. Um, and so he actually called me that next week and thanked me for the free advertising he said I gave him, <laughs> and told me I still couldn't wear it in the Super Bowl my my Adidas headband, which I'd been wearing for a couple of years. Yeah, and so so I got a hold of the rule book between the championship game in the Super Bowl and I'm going through it and I've I've realized hey I realized that uh, 
they shouldn't have been able to find me the first time. So now I'm going to mess with them a little bit in the Super Bowl. And so Adidas offered me a good chunk of change to wear it. Yeah. And I said, look, I'll wear it, but I, 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 I can't wear it on my head, but you're going to, you're going to see it. And so that's, that's what I did. I decided I was going to wear all charities. That way if they find me, they're going to look like idiots. Yeah. So I would, I would switch to a different charity every, every series. And then, uh, but prior to the game, I had the Adidas headband on and all during the warmups and the head referee kept chasing me around saying, Hey, I can't let you on the field with that. <laughs> I said, yeah, oh yeah, God. I know. And then at, at the uh, national anthem, I'm standing there with Walter, myself, the head ref. And when the anthem's over, I went to put my helmet on and the ref says, I can't let you on the field. And I what? said, I know. But he said, I know, but you can't do a damn thing about this. And I pulled my headband down around my neck. And if you look at any picture you see of me in the Super Bowl, yeah. you can see Adidas proudly displayed. And the ref just looked at me and started laughing. He goes, yeah, you're right. And so I grabbed the first uh, uh, charity, which I believe was um, uh, something for diabetes. Mm-hmm. ADF, I believe it was. And uh, and then from then on, just changed every, every series. But I ended up, I, I didn't get fined. I got paid by Adidas, but the very next year there was there was so many more more new rules that I had to uh, figure out how to get around. Oh yeah, I mean that. Listen, that that just shows your dedication and and how prepared you were. You knew the NFL rule book. You found your workaround. You painted them into a corner, and we love that. And speaking of the Super Bowl, though, I got to ask, like, what was what was that week like? Because the Bears are making the Super Bowl. The game is in New Orleans which is a city that is known for its, its nightlife. The, the 85 bears were known to, uh, to enjoy a, a time or two, a beverage or two. Uh, what was that whole Super Bowl week like? We had more than a few. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have uh, we didn't have curfew that week. You know, Dick has said, Hey, you guys are on your own until Saturday night. And oh, so, wow. And we got there on a Monday, so we saw we saw the sun come up probably Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> and Thursday. And uh, now we were having a great time, and then all of a sudden, a, a sportscaster decided to say that on on air that I had called all the women of New Orleans sluts, and that the men were stupid, and and some other dumbass comments this guy made. Mm-hmm. Which where he got those, I don't know. wasn't for me. And so I don't know anything about this. The next morning, I get woken up real early in the morning. It's some irate, irate fan screaming and yelling. They're going to kill me for calling his wife a slut. And and I had no idea what was going oh, on. Oh, wow. So I hang up the phone. And two seconds later, it rings again. Another fan, same thing. My roommate, Kurt Becker, says, hey, what's going on? I said, I don't know. Somebody's pissed. And so I went to breakfast. Excuse me, down at the team uh, breakfast, and um, I'm standing in the breakfast line, and the general manager walked up and said, "You really did it this time." Oh no! And he walked away. That's all he said to me. I'm, I'm still. I have no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> okay, so you have no I'm idea still, what's happening. I'm still waiting my turn in line for breakfast, and then <laughs> Ditka walked up and said, "Hey, did you really say that?" And I said, "Mike," I said, "Say what?" I said, "I got woken up this morning." I said, "Jerry's pissed." I go, what did I do? 
And he said, did you do a radio show and call all the women of New Orleans sluts? I said, are you out of your mind? I said, when did I do this show? He said, this morning. I said, what time? He said, six. I said, dude, I didn't get back here to 530. There's no way I did a radio show. <laughs> at six. And so I don't know where the guy got heard that from or just decided he'd make it up and think that I that would help me choke or whatever. But uh, yeah, so the rest. So that that was Thursday morning. And so Thursday, Friday, Saturday was was brutal. Just trying to you know, get to and from practice without getting shot. Oh, man. Uh, our uh, <clears throat> our practice. We practiced at the old Saints facility, which was um, right next to them was a huge apartment complex that overlooked our field. Mm-hmm. And all, all the guys didn't want to stand by me. They thought I was, gonna <laughs> I'd wear, I was wearing a jersey number. Yeah, it was uh, it was no fun after Thursday. And I was, I was just kind of glad. I don't really remember playing in the game. Uh, I've seen some of those crazy movies, you know, like Black Sunday and stuff like that. So oh, if they no. won't take you out bad enough. They'll, they'll get you. And so as soon as that gun went off at the end of the fourth quarter, I ran through the tunnel, got dressed, and got out of there. So. That was the last I'd seen in New Orleans for a long time, other than when I went back to playing with the Packers. Right, yeah, the Packers won their Super Bowl. Was there any did, – did anybody bring that up again when you went back down there to play with the Packers? Um, luckily, I didn't have to do a hell of a lot of interviews. You know, <laughs> they were too busy bothering Favre. Uh, but, yeah, somebody did bring it up, and I just said, dude, there's, there's no, no reason to even go there. It, was a, it wasn't a story. Like, you guys made it up just like most of you guys do. So. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, didn't have the problem I had the first time. Yeah. So they never, like, nobody ever tracked down this person who did this or anything like that. Uh, he was on. He was a TV personality. Oh, I think they ended up firing him for the time that I we were there, and then they brought him back after I left town. But yeah, they, they there was no uh, no repercussions for it. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's unbelievable. I don't know. I, that's crazy. I do. I had no idea the different Jersey number. There's too much going on. Super Bowl week um, must have been a Boston guy. Who knows? But uh, let's take another uh, question from the crowd. Uh, Sammy, do you have a question? Uh, describe the practical joke or the best practical joke you ever played on a teammate or one that played on you. Oh well, I probably is this this probably a family podcast. So I probably could I mean we got Sammy's a young that. man, but but it's okay. Listen, you're you're listen, you can do you can say whatever you yeah, want. My old linemen my old linemen uh, were upset at me one day for something. And so they cornered me in the uh, in the equipment room. No way out of that equipment room. And uh these are some big boys now and I, I fought yeah. like hell. I had to give up at some point. And then I believe it was my center. <laughs> he had his <coughs> he had a glove on his rubber glove on his hand with all that heat. Oh no. Liniment stuff. <laughs> and that ended up in a place it should never go. Oh no. <laughs> and so yeah, that burnt for a couple of days. Oh geez. but anyway, a couple of days later we used to have our uh, our lunches, you know, brought in. You know, you get order from wherever and they bring it in. Mm-hmm. And so all the guys usually got milk, all the old linemen usually got milkshakes with their lunch. And so I got two of those milkshakes first and put the little X lax and whatever oh, else. No. I could. <laughs> and so I practiced that, that afternoon. It was, we're all in the huddle and you could just hear these guys stomachs gurgling and they're all bent <laughs> over. They're all looking at each other like, 
you feel good? And they're like, no, I feel like crap. And then they all start looking at me because I'm laughing my ass off. No, <laughs> no, it's coming. And sure enough, it was actually, I think, during a uh, one of our offensive periods. I just had oh, to no, run no. out of the huddle because they figured it out. They're going to kill me in the <laughs> huddle. So I just took off running. Dick is like, what the hell are you doing? I said, I don't know. They're after me for something. <laughs> they all had to go to the bathroom real quick, one right after the other. Oh, I think no. you figured out what I did after that. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that was just, you know, good, clean fun. Yeah. You didn't do it to the center, though, did you? Because, I mean, that's, you know, you're, you are you got to put your hands there. Yeah, that's another – that's a story for another day. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sammy, what about another question? Uh, what is your favorite play from your career? Was there Is there something that stands out to you? Oh boy, favorite play! Now I, I don't even remember a lot of the plays, so I couldn't even tell you a favorite one. Uh, anyone where we scored—that's always a favorite. Like if I threw a touchdown pass, I, I like throwing touchdown passes. I used to do that a lot in college, but not so much in the pros with our uh, with our offense. But yeah, I, I, I don't really remember or or have a, a favorite play that I have in mind. I mean, college, obviously, at BYU with uh, Lavelle Edwards was your coach at BYU. Is that correct? Yeah, he was our head coach. I remember, I remember that correctly. You know, there's a highlight reel. I would I would invite anybody to do a deep dive into, into, into the, uh, the YouTube to go find some of the offensive plays and the offensive fireworks that BYU was putting up in the 80s and check that out. Wasn't there a play, though? You did catch a touchdown pass, though, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't Walter Payton at one point throw you a touchdown pass? Yeah, he actually threw me three or four of them, actually. Basically the same play. that We ran. <laughs> we only ran it once every couple of years, but when we ran it, it worked. Uh, yeah, that's always fun. Walter could do it all. He could, you know, throw it. He could kick it. He could sure as hell run with it. And uh, and he can block your ass off, too. I mean, he was a just a great football player, a great teammate. And uh, I was <clears throat> I was happy I was able to play with him. Now, when you talk about the the practical jokes, now obviously you and the offensive linemen had a great relationship, the headbutts and everything. Was Walter Payton off limits? Like I, I understand, like you know, a lot of people consider him. I I consider him the greatest uh, running back of all time. Was he off limits? Could you mess with him? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Walter was one of the, our biggest pranksters on the team. So yeah, you could mess with Walter. He didn't have thick or thin skin. Uh. Yeah, he used to love to, to put his M80s and, and leave them on a really long fuse and then walk out to practice and hang them over the side of the uh, racquetball court, which you had to walk by to get to the practice field. And oh, he'd, no. he'd be out there for 10 minutes when these things went off. And it was it was like being in, in Iraq when I was there a few, few years back. But, uh, yeah, he, he loved his weapons and he liked things that exploded and uh, never knew, never knew. But he was not off limits, no, there's no doubt. Other than during practice, uh, Buddy Ryan used to tell his defense, don't hit number 34. Oh, wow. And he'd tell him, don't hit nine either, but they'd whack me a few times anyway. Why but, would uh, they hit you? They just, you know, welcome to the league, even though it was, <laughs> it was my fourth year. <laughs> right. That doesn't seem fair. Um, uh, Sammy, do we have another one from, from the crowd, too? If uh, How do you feel? Yeah, now, you talked about, now, obviously, you you don't watch – uh, again, you know, you're a little, 
you know, you're not super close with the Bears right now. What are you have you have you watched Justin Fields at all, the new kid? Have you have you seen any of his plays? Because he's been a pretty dynamic force. Uh he's had some highlight plays. Have you been able to catch a little bit of him? I've seen him play maybe about a series. Uh, mm. <laughs> I don't watch a hell of a lot. So but I know he was a big time player at Ohio State. You know, he's got talent. And anytime you can succeed in, in the college level, you're easy to be able to translate that into the pros. So I'm sure it, it, he'll be fine as long as he's got people up front. Those, those five guys, are they will make and break any quarterback. So I don't even know who their linemen are or, or how good are they or what. But uh, unless he does, he's got five of those guys, I wish him luck. No, yeah, they've been rebuilding the offensive line. It's been one of the storylines, but he's got – you know, he's got the dynamic uh, playmaking ability, which uh, does make him uh, something special. But I do want to go back. Um, I do want to say, too, like we, we talked about the time at Green Bay. So I, I wanted to circle back to that. Can we say, though, that do you do you do you hate Green Bay now? Because because we I just need to know just just I, I, I want to hate that team so much. I want to know that you do, too. I hated them for a long, long time when I was playing against them. I'll tell you that, especially when uh, Forrest Gregg was their coach. Uh, there was a lot of bad blood between him and Ditka, and that that kind of trickled down to the players. And uh, it got it got ugly there for three or four years. And uh, and so I I had a chance to go up to the Packers probably three years prior to when I did, mm-hmm. and I just I couldn't bring myself to do it because of the the bad taste I had in my mouth with uh, the Charles Martin event and then uh, just, just the way things unfolded with green Bay and, and Chicago every year. So yeah. uh, when, but when I finally did get up there uh, the last part of 95 and then in 96, uh, I thought Mike Holmgren was a hell of a coach, Thought he did, uh, you know, he, he worked us when it was time to work, but he also gave us our time off. Uh, and just the uh, the atmosphere there. I mean, it's, it's totally different from the, any other sports franchise. I mean, there's nothing else there in Green Bay. You know, unless yeah. you ice fish, you know, good luck. Um, and the town pretty much own. I think the town does own the team. So yeah, you're not you don't you're not dealing with one owner. You're dealing with you know, the whole town of Green Bay. Uh, it's just a whole different atmosphere, and everybody gets treated the same, whether you're the, you're the equipment guy or the, you're the president of the of the Packers. So. Yeah, I thought it was a hell of an organization, and uh, you know, all my kids that my kids were my two oldest were only one and a half and or or two and one when we won with the Bears. So really, they only they only remember winning the oh, Super no. with the Packers. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> my kids my kids kind of tend towards the Packers when they when they root. <clears throat> oh no, we've we've got to change that. That that cannot be allowed. They, Although I do, I do love I do Barb, like They love Aaron Rodgers. So oh no. This is breaking my heart. I need to get them on this show and I need to have a little bit of an intervention to let them know we cannot, we cannot allow this uh, to go forward. Although I will tell them, I, I will, I will let them know that like Favre, the only time Favre won a Super Bowl was when you were his teammate. So by, you know, association, uh, the bears have to take a lot of credit for that Super Bowl win. I'll, I'll, I'll take that small victory. Uh, I, I agree with you there too. <laughs> It was your guiding hand. I mean, but honestly, like Brett Favre, you know, um, obviously had some trouble getting over the hump with the Cowboys and with the uh, with the 49ers of that era as, as well. Like, 
how was it? I mean, I, I got to feel like, and I, 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 I said that flippantly, but I really have to believe that you did have a lot of influence. I mean, did, did you have to work to help him and, and to mentor him and everything when you were, when you were his backup? No, I mean, he, he had been there for a couple of years already. He knew the offense. I mean, it was just, uh, uh there really is nothing. I, I just told him, don't screw it up. <laughs> uh, when I got there in 95, uh, <clears throat> It was, I think there was five games left in the season. Uh, we ended up going to the NFC championship game that year, losing. Mm-hmm. So the following year, we get back to training camp, and I, I'm looking at the schedule, and I notice the Super Bowl is back in New Orleans, and it's on the same day that we played. And I said, this is going to be weird. And I said, you know, we, we that's what happened to us in Chicago. We lost in 84, come back, and, and then win it. And I said, it's on the same day. And I said, it's in the same city. I said, just don't screw this up. I said, you know, <laughs> this, this is karma. And then it ended up, we're playing the same. T- yeah, you're playing the plan against the New England Patriots. 11, 11 years apart on the same day in the same city. That was, uh, I don't know who wrote that script. But it was, it was destined. Yeah, he yeah. Uh, was a great player, great competitor. Uh, you know, he'd do some, some crazy things every once in a while, but who doesn't? Yeah, it's true. And Look he at had me that. and go, why do you do that? <laughs> I say, hell, I don't know. I've been here a year. You've been here for three or four with him. I, you tell me why he did that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that's why he, I think that's why he played so well that year. Cause he knew if he screwed up, I was going to play and he wasn't getting back in. So, cause it was, I finally got to get to play in an offense with, which was, you know, halfway decent. Yeah, that would have been, you know what? And that's the thing. If you would have gotten an opportunity, uh, it would have been a, a, an oppor- you know, a chance to go out there and show everybody what you can do offensively. I'm, I'm obviously very biased about this because I do. Uh, I studied what you did at BYU and what you're able to do. I mean, I saw something that like Steve Young was crediting you for teaching him how to throw a football. Like he didn't know how to do the corkscrew thing until you taught him. So again, so I will take credit for you guiding the, the the Packers to their Super Bowl win. I'm going to give you Steve Steve Young's Super Bowl win as well. Uh, I think he earned that. He's <laughs> he's he came <laughs> along he came a long way from a freshman freshman at, at BYU because yeah they they tried to make him a defensive back originally I think. Oh no. And he said no I want to I want to be a quarterback but he was having trouble throwing and uh, he was throwing more of a curveball. When you when you spin you're not you don't if your wrist goes like that, throwing the ball is not going to be good. And yeah. then I didn't, he, he told me this later on, you know, he, he used to watch me throw and he always noticed that my hand went the other way. And I said, well, that's, that's how, so that's how I, I've always thrown the ball, you know, whether it be a baseball or a football or <clears throat> that's just the way, it, you know, it, it feels more natural. The ball comes out better. It spirals more. So, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take a little credit for helping Steve get in the hall too. No, I'll, I'm I'm giving it to you. You don't have to take it. I'm giving it to you. And it's a nat because I'm a lefty as well. There is a natural inclination to throw that curve as you're talking about. You do have to learn how to throw it this way. Uh, they never let me play quarterback in high school because I didn't master that. But that doesn't matter. Nobody nobody cares about that. But I will. I do. Uh, one last thing though. What you know? You 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 talked briefly about Justin, but what is it about being a quarterback in Chicago? Cause it feels like when this team gets back and I truly believe that they will, what is it like being the quarterback in Chicago when the bears are winning? 
I know that they had great success. The Blackhawks won a couple of Stanley Cups, obviously Jordan and the Bulls. But I think if you're the quarterback of the Bears when that team is winning, I don't think that anything could top that. Uh, Chicago's always been a great town. They've, they they uh, they always treated me well. I think the thing about the fans in Chicago, they they just want you to play hard. And if you play hard, they love you. And if you play hard and you win, they love you forever. I mean, that, and that's you know what was it 30, 36 years ago? It's been for us. And uh, you know when I'm in town, it's it's still you know I still get a lot of people coming up and said, hey, you know, thanks for everything. And uh, it's always great to come back to the city. And oh, well, nowadays, who knows? <laughs> I try to stay out of the city right now, the way things are going with this mayor. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great town, and and. Uh, Oh, like I said, all my kids were raised here. They all love this. They all love uh, the Chicago area. So I just couldn't deal with the cold anymore. Yeah, I of course. Not. California and, and 80, you know, 50 degrees used to be cold to me. And then I moved here for lived here for 28 years and, and 50 below was pretty common in, in the early 80s. So, uh, yeah, that's not for me. I like flip flops and shorts and T-shirts. And this ain't the place to be for that. Not at all. You know what? My parents were the same way, both Illinois natives. Uh, I, I was I was raised out in California, so I agree with everything you said about not wanting to be in the cold. But you know what? Uh, you personified what it takes to win in Chicago, the, the, the way you played. And that's why people appreciate you. Uh, that's why people love you. That's why people uh, gravitated towards you. That's why they will still stop you on the streets and want to tell you great stories about when you played, whether you remember it or not. You, you meant a lot to a lot of people. And I can't tell you how much it meant for me uh, to have you on the show today. This was, uh, I I never thought it would happen. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for everything that you've done. Uh, you have an open invitation anytime you want to come back. If you need me to talk to your kids and uh, tell them to start rooting for the Bears, I'm, I'm hey, happy to do that. That's a grief for years. They don't care. They just, they're <laughs> their own people as well. I'm glad they learned. I think they learned that from me anyway. But that's true. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Appreciate you having me on and letting me finish my dinner. Sorry. Sorry about chewing during the interview, but uh, I, you could do whatever you want. I felt like here, I had been I here rehabbing, <laughs> rehabbing this foot of mine, and I can't uh, didn't have time to get get the dinner in. So I appreciate it. I'll uh, talk to you again sometime. That would be great. Thank you so much, uh, Jim. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Right. And there he goes, uh, the greatest quarterback in uh, in Bears history. It was fun. It was fun. Uh, I ex I appreciate his candor. By the way, if you enjoyed that interview, if you can just uh, type in the word sick, uh, just to let us know that you enjoyed it, you had a good time. Um, I lost my train of thought a couple of times. Uh, it's very, uh, again, it's very emotional. If you guys don't know, if, if, you, if, you, if you've watched this, I, I think most people understand. Um, you might or might not know. My parents are no longer here. Uh, this Bears team was very special to my family. So, you know, I gotta. Why do I have to always do this? I gotta compose myself one more time. But it was—it's important. And so, uh, so for Jim to be so gracious with our time, we didn't even ask him like how much time he had. I didn't want it. I didn't want to keep him forever. Uh, but also at the same time, I'm like, I kind of don't want to let you go because I'm like having a good time talking about this. You're eating, uh, which was perfect because that's exactly what I would expect. Like, listen, dude, you do you. You've always been your own person. And so, uh, so that was cool. I think I'm gonna. I'm going to end it there. Thanks, everybody. 
Uh, Sammy, play. No, wait, hold on. Don't don't play the animation yet. Don't play the animation. I want to thank everybody. Uh, thanks to Anello and Sammy for putting that together. Means a lot. Play us out. I got to go. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.